It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, our mission to serve and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. Coming up first today, I have the great pleasure of learning how I stunk it up last week in our Clark Stink segment. After that, do you have an emergency savings account? Did you have to dip into it or use it at all in the last year? I'm going to talk about how much I believe you should save and how to go about building your account. So as a podcast host, I have an account with you, deposits, withdrawals, based on the quality of the content, the advice, and the trust that I build up with you or subtract from how you feel about me. It's really important to me that I provide you with the service that gives you advice and information that you can put to work in your own life to build more financial independence in your life. And so that's why I want to make sure that what I say works for you, that the advice I give you believe is true and powerful in your life. So when I fail, when I come up short, I want you to go to clark.com slash clarkstinks and post where you feel I did miss the mark. And then weekly, Krista reads her favorites. (laughs) You don't like me calling it your favorites? No. Well, I like calling it that. The ones that you picked out. I don't think you stink. From clark.com slash clarkstinks. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. All right. You've talked a lot about TV providers, and I know that you use YouTube TV, which is great but pretty expensive. I know you're aware of Lowcast, but you don't seem to mention them, which is surprising for a cheapskate. Lowcast is $5 a month for all the local channels. While networks may be trying to shut them down, it's not illegal to use them or to be their customer. I love that they're creating a challenge to big cable. Michael. Michael, lowcast.org is awesome, and they have survived multiple legal challenges. And you mentioned $5 a month. That's voluntary on your part because they are not a traditional profit-making business. A guy who was frustrated at how much we have to pay for television, set up and initially funded Lowcast, and looks for contributions from users to support what they do at Lowcast. What Lowcast.org does for you in cities where it's available, which the number grow all the time, is you're able, over your internet connection, to get a fantastic signal for all local channels. There are a lot more local channels in most areas than people are aware of. And Lowcast gets you a clear signal for people who can't get a good one with an antenna. Clark, you've spoken many times about using the same disposable razor for a year or longer, but you've kept the secret from us. What brand of razor is it? And how do you dry and store it? How frequently do you shave? Would you classify yourself as having a lot of facial hair? For the sake of all of us who throw out razors after a month or two, 
please channel your inner, inner Paul Harvey and tell us the rest of the story. Instead of stinking, you'll be a sweet smelling aqua velva man, James. <laughs> Thank you, James. I'm using a Kirkland Signature triple blade razor for this school year, and it's starting to nick and pull. Um, I started using it when my son started ninth grade last August, and that blade is past its useful life. But for some reason, I have a psychological problem. I haven't been willing to get rid of the blade. I said after last year that I wouldn't do this anymore, that I would, when it was no longer a smooth, comfortable shave, I would dump the razor. But here I am, uh, August to May, and I'm still using the blade. Um, as for my beard, I'd say it's just an average kind of beard. It's not, it's not one that's really thick, and it's not one that's thin. All I do is I dry the blade each day, not even the way that people that are obsessed with this do. I just dry it off with a towel, which is not supposed to be the good way to do it. But it goes on and on and on. And do I shave every day? I'd say I shave five out of seven days each week. You don't stink this week, but you made a very stinky Costco choice during your trip to Los Angeles. You went to the El Segundo Costco, which us Westside Angelinos know to avoid at all costs. It's always horrifically crowded. A better choice is the Costco just 10 minutes north in Marina del Rey. The gas lines are usually just 5 to 15 minutes, and it's attached to an in and out so enjoy your weight in the gas line with double doubles and a shake and enjoy the sweet ocean breeze while filling your tank. It never stinks. Derek. Derek, thank you. And I have been to the Marina Del Rey Costco many times. I know the In-N-Out Burger in that shopping center. In fact, I went to that In-N-Out Burger at the beginning of that trip to Los Angeles and it would have been a better place for me to go for gas. I just I just didn't think if I went after the actual warehouse had closed, good almost an hour after the warehouse had closed, that there would still be those massive lines at the gas pump. So I did waste 50 cents a gallon going somewhere else. I agree that the U.S. should should use the pipeline cyber attack to think about the redundancy in our systems, but I think Clark missed the chance to highlight how we can diversify the way we get around. I want the freedom to not all have to rely on cars and gas to get around. The country needs to invest in cycling and public transit infrastructure to decrease the dependencies that the auto industry has built into the USA. Graham. Graham, what you're saying is actually happening in a very large number of metro areas for people who live relatively close in. But because so many cities across the South and the West developed in the automotive era, they're really spread out. And where what you're saying is practical for people who live closer in, it'd be very hard as an alternative for people to get around on bike paths and such when they live in outer suburbs or the exurbs where more and more population is. Now, I don't know if you've heard, but we moved a month ago and now we walk most everywhere. And my son now has a skateboard to get around on. And it, it's the mobility of being able to use our own two feet 
to get around is great. And I've had to completely change my life. I got all these carts to be able, this kind of carts to go to grocery store. And then I have another kind of cart if I go to the target that's walking distance from me. And uh, it's a totally different mindset to not go get in the car and drive somewhere. And it only was possible because of the move we made. And in terms of the uh, biking, walking system, our closest connection to it is about a half mile from where we're now living. And I don't ever want to be in a position where I'm completely car dependent again. Clark only stinks as badly as a dog's chewed up squeaky toy. When talking about adopting dogs from a shelter, he mentioned that more urban shelters tend to have larger, more aggressive dogs. I don't dispute that, and some listeners may be looking for just those dogs. He should have also mentioned that anyone looking to either adopt or buy these breeds should check with their homeowners or renter's insurance before getting the dog. Some refuse coverage or increase premiums for owners of certain breeds of dogs that have bitten people, MH. MH is correct that more and more insurers will cancel your homeowner's coverage or will heavily surcharge you if you have certain breeds of dogs. And I know there are a lot of owners of those breeds who very much resent insurers doing that. And for them, it's all numbers crunching that particular breeds have been responsible for meaningfully sized large claims. The saying goes, the only person that likes change is a baby. Is Clark that stinky that he's changing his position on cryptocurrency? A listener wrote in seeking advice on whether to invest in Dogecoin. I was expecting Clark to say never, not ever invest in any cryptocurrency, but he instead gave a very reasonable, uh, gave very reasonable advice on treading lightly. What's changed, Clark? Sarah. Sarah, thank you. Nothing has changed for me. And I do believe that today cryptocurrencies are not a legitimate form of payment because they don't have stable value. But if somebody is into experimenting in this area, they need to know they're a speculator, not an investor. And if they want to throw a little bit of money that they won't lose sleep over, putting it in crypto, that's fine to do. But crypto is not yet ready for prime time. And I don't know how long it'll be till it is ready for prime time. Clark, you always tell us that we shouldn't go with one of the major alarm companies that may make us sign long-term contracts and charge outrageous fees for monitoring, but you never tell us what to do if we ever were to leave one of those companies. The alarm panel is integrated into the wall. The motorized locks are integrated into the doors. I'm like you. I have absolutely no talent for home maintenance. You stink for saying that I should somehow get rid of this expensive alarm system and put in another one, but giving us no guidance on exactly how this is done. Matthew. Matthew, thank you, because when I've answered these questions, I've answered them in silos instead of the larger picture. And so what I we did a video on Clark.com last summer, and I actually did replace an existing alarm with a self-install alarm. As you said, I am not handy, as I readily admit, but I found it very easy to do a self-install burglar alarm. There are many available in the marketplace now that cost just a couple of hundred dollars for pretty sophisticated alarm systems. 
and the monitoring for them is ultra cheap. By the way, there's a new burglar alarm self-install from Wise. I'm going to test that one out and be able to review it as well because it's even cheaper than the existing self-install alarms in the marketplace. And with all these self-install alarms, they offer the option of traditional professional monitoring. If you do the Amazon-owned ring system, their alarm is $100 a year for monitoring. And again, these come with no contract. And just to note, if you look in the um, description of this episode, we've put a link to the YouTube video of Clark um, installing his own alarm system. And again... I apologize for my appearance in that video oh my gosh. that uh, made people worry that there was something wrong with me. <laughs> what happened was I started. What happened the was. Inst- what happened was I started the install of that alarm in the morning, went out on a six mile run and walk on a very hot day, came back and went back on camera looking like something that uh, the cat had dragged in. And people thought something was wrong with me. The only thing that was wrong with me was that I was out working out on such an extremely hot summer day. Not a bright idea. Speaking of your move, Clark, I get... I definitely did stink. (laughs) Clark, I get why you and your wife downsized your home. Good to pocket that gain in light of possible tax increases. But now I'm picturing you walking the communal halls of your condo, frightening the residents while getting those last few thousand steps in. What And what about solar? All your zealous talk about solar. Have you gone backwards and rejoined the grid? That would be pretty stinky, Gwen. <laughs> so, <laughs> Gwen, what I do to get my zillion steps a day in is I go out and walk neighborhoods uh, around the condo we've moved to. You are right. We have no solar at our building. And so that is true that I have lost my connection to solar, except on my walks. Maybe I should carry some kind of solar (laughs) panel around with me and capture solar as I walk. Put one out on your patio. That's true. I could do that. But I, uh, I am getting the steps in without frightening my fellow neighbors. And next, I'm going to talk about building or rebuilding, as the case may be, your savings account. So the pandemic has been such a distorting thing for our economy. There are people, as I've talked about, who are in much better financial shape after living through the pandemic than before. And then there are others that have been just devastated by it. And more than a third of Americans, according to a survey from Bankrate, have found that the emergency fund they had, if they had one before the pandemic, has in fact shrunk. And nearly one in four Americans have exactly zero pennies available for a rainy day. And rainy days come, and an emergency fund, a rainy day account, is an umbrella for financial security for the unexpected. At the same time, you're like, how in the world am I going to do this? How do I get it done when the last year has been so rough? Well, now we're in a situation that is, I mean, think about the whiplash we've been through. 
there's never been a time that so many people lost jobs all at once like happened in the spring of last year. And then at the same time, today, we're sitting with millions upon millions upon millions of jobs unfilled. Employers steadily raising pay rates, offering bonuses to attract workers right now. We're in a major shift right now. And there are people who have to rebuild from severe hardship. There are others who had uh, hardships along the way, but not brutal hardships. And so if you're somebody who was just completely decimated by the pandemic, you're trying to catch up on bills, you've got uh, maybe debt collectors calling you all that, this is not for you. But this is for people who are in a position where you got wounded by the pandemic, but you're still on your feet and you're good to go moving forward, but you have to rebuild. So you can't do everything all at once. But what I'd like you to do is, as you found hopefully a good steady job now, or if you're about to start one, that you from the very beginning do the conscious process of rebuilding towards your future. Remember, you've had to, over the last year plus, deal with dodging financial bullets and cutting back here, there, and everywhere. So when you get employed again at a steady job, the tendency is to suddenly feel like you need a splurge. What I'd like you to do instead is, as a steady paycheck starts coming in, is that you put money aside for your long-term future and your rainy day. And you probably have heard me talk about Roth IRAs till you have nightmares about them when you're sleeping. But I am the man from Roth because it is so key to you creating independence financially in your life over time where you can set up a Roth with one of the low-cost companies, one of my favorite children, and set up automatic contributions into that Roth every pay period or every month. And the same time, put at least a penny of every dollar you make into an online savings account, where it automatically goes in every pay period. It's known as a split deposit. And you have that money go into the online account. And you gradually build up a rainy day account because you never know when something's going to break that you have to pay to repair, car, home, who knows what. And a rainy day account gives you that cushion. Now, over time, a serious rainy day account is when you're in a position, if you lose a job, to be able to cover many months of expenses. One in four Americans, apparently, according to Bankrate, have six months of living expenses or more in savings. If you're at zero days, that's a bridge too far, right? So you crawl before you walk, you walk before you run, and you run before you marathon. So you do things in little steps that build habits 
And over time, those habits change your life and create that independence. Krista? Speaking of that, Danielle in Georgia says, what is the best way to teach your preteen about money and the banking system without a monthly subscription fee? She has a traditional piggy bank on her dresser, and we have a savings account for her, but she does not have access. A family friend has a 16-year-old that doesn't understand how to use cash or even where money on a debit card comes from. We were horrified to hear the story, and now want to make sure our daughter doesn't have these issues. Our daughter does know how to use cash and seems to understand the value of the bank and credit union, but we want to make sure she's responsible with her own money and knows how to use it and where it comes from. So, Danielle, there's some very interesting stuff happening with this, and I want to talk about something for teens for a second, and then not avoid your question, then I'll answer it. Fidelity Investments has started a new investment account for 13 to 17-year-olds that includes a savings account with it, a debit card, and actually allows a teen freedom within the amount of money a parent will permit to invest unrestricted without parental interference. This is as long as a parent is staying tuned and making sure their teenager isn't going crazy with investments, gives a teen a chance to do the things you're talking about. And age 13, I think, is a good entry point for it. Because a lot of schools have tried stock market investing games, but I don't know that it really makes an impression on the kids, on the students, since it's not real money, it's pretend money. And so this is real money, whatever a child may earn from a job they can put in it, you as a parent can seed money, but it has savings built in, has a debit card built in, and I think it's a great way for 13 to 17-year-olds. Under 13, this is still a big hole in the marketplace. And so what a lot of times a parent will do is they'll set up a savings account, often at a credit union, and have it as an account with their preteen. Those cost nothing. Tie a debit card into it, and you as a parent monitor it because the programs available out there that are designed to teach teens about money or preteens, as you said, often have significant fees to them. The Fidelity program is fee-free, and the credit union accounts are fee-free as well. And Margo in North Carolina says, is it wise to sign my credit card on the back? Yes, it is. Very important to do so. If you don't sign your credit card on the back and you inadvertently leave it somewhere or someone steals it, they sign their impression of your name and the signature will look perfect every time. Please sign that card. Even though it seems nobody ever looks at our signatures anymore. You know who still does? The Postal Service. They even have a sign in a lot of post offices that they won't accept a card for payment that doesn't have a signature on the back. And from Mike in Texas, what happens to my 401k and Roth accounts in the event of my death? I'm looking at buying term life insurance, but the amount needed would depend on what type of access my family would have to my current assets. I have about $240, a $240,000 policy through work, but no, I need more. However, if my spouse can access my retirement account, accounts, my family should be taken care of. 
So, Mike, I'm really glad you're thinking through and worrying about how to protect your loved ones. With your 401k and your Roth, if you do a beneficiary designation, then the money passes instantly at the time of your passing to whoever you designate as your beneficiary. In your case, I'm guessing your spouse would have access to the money pretty much immediately. And a retirement account, an investment account, savings account, bank account with a beneficiary designation passes outside of what's stated in a will and generally passes very quickly more easily. So that is an alternative that in addition potentially to a will based on the kind of assets you have, you definitely need to have an up-to-date will, but you can account for making sure these assets pass efficiently to your loved ones or to your spouse very easily with proper beneficiary designations. And I want you to know I truly appreciate you listening to this podcast, and I hope you'll do me a favor. If you heard something you found helpful in this episode, share it with a friend, because my goal in life is to empower you and as many people as possible with advice that will make a difference in your and their lives. 